we are live ladies and gents it's friday night it's half past seven um welcome back to abe thompson and other disappointments coming to you live guys from my kitchen uh which is <laughs> only only about two or three levels beneath partridge on north norfolk digital in terms of where this sits in the uh and the broadcasting leaderboard. Um, this is when you know that you've hit the big time, dear listeners, uh, is when your Friday night show moves down from the shed. Like, I'm already low, like near the bottom. I've moved down from the shed and into a live stream from my kitchen. Uh, it's like, it's sort of the, the broadcast equivalent of, um, I don't know, like say you're a stand-up comedian and you're used to gigging in theatres. You know, decent venues of 2,000, 3,000 people. Imagine going from that to then being one of those guys that shouts about perfume and aftershave through a megaphone on a street corner. That's the sort of delve and dive that we're, uh, that we're working with now here tonight. Um, guys, if it's your first time joining me uh, for a Friday night live show, uh, welcome, welcome. Pull up a pew. Um, every Friday night, these happen. Friday night, half past seven, we meet up on here, on YouTube, guys. We join each other once more. We laugh. We rant. We hug. And we reassure one another, people. Uh, not, not that the world is actually going to be all right, uh, but that there are at least others out there who agree that the world is irreparably screwed um there's no way back guys I'm, I'm not even joking um but at least in that misery in that shared acceptance there is a sort of camaraderie is there not we are all united in this common bond in which we all know that the human race is probably on its way out now uh the whole human civilization thing is it's about to wrap up uh is how we feel on this show in this community um so yes welcome Welcome once more. Uh, before we get started proper, um, just to really hammer this one home, I'm really trying to sort of promote a few bits of uh, YouTube uh, while I when I, I get started on these things so that you guys can all get involved and it's interactive and so on. Um, so yes, we will be jumping into the live chat periodically throughout uh, this evening's uh, live show. Um, I'll be getting your Q&As in. We'll be answering some questions. Uh, and if you do feel like dropping a tip, a cheeky little tip, uh, or you want to guarantee that your comment or question gets read out, you can click the super chat little uh, like tip icon thing. It looks like a little dollar bill or something. Um, or do you know what? Like towards the end, you can click the three dots and then do, they call it a super thanks. Um, and I'll tell you what, here's, here's the deal, right? Tonight is um, if it's a good night, for the super thanks things, right? If it's a good night for the super thanks, I will, um, what will I do? What will I do for a tenner or like 20 pounds or something? I will, um, I'll change my name on Twitter tomorrow <laughs> to massive, tw no, I'll, I'll change my name on, on Twitter tomorrow to like for 10 pounds or 20 pounds worth of super thanks. I'll change my name all day tomorrow to super thanksky. How about that for one day? Um, that's that is a terrible deal <laughs> for anyone that gets involved in it. But that's that is the deal. No less for the right amount of super thanks. I will become at super thanksky on Twitter all day tomorrow. Um, I mean, it might be cheaper for you to just like dump three pounds of like tips in there with a little comment saying just have the three pounds. aid. you don't need to do something tragic like that. Just, just shut the fuck up a bit. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm just saying it's out there. There's a deal to be had if you're into it um anyway so tonight let's get into the show shall we stop blethering aid uh tonight my guest is a returning fave from the first few episodes of the show he is a political voice on tiktok he's an annoying voice in real life he's got posh taps in his house and he's got hate in his heart he sounds like a hipster auditioning to play a cockney uh, he wears fake glasses to make himself look intelligent, but he's not. Uh, he does have an IQ above average, though only when he's in Burnham. He's a reprobate. He's an outcast, an ostracized shame factory that society has rightly removed from itself like the unpleasant but stubborn Veruca 
he is. Please welcome to the show, here to promote his new album, 9-11 Was Funny, your friend, my guest, it's Leftist Jewels. Woo! <laughs> the best intro I think I've ever had. Not that I've had many intros, but hey, that was phenomenal. Do you like it? Wow. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm quite pleased. Where did that all come from? Uh, my head, mostly. Just, it's it's a disturbed like place. Had, like, how do you how how am I going to describe Jules when it comes <laughs> on? I tell right. you what it is, right? So you're a nice guy, Jules. You're a good egg. You've got a good heart. Uh, I sense this in in a few people. It's very rarely wrong. This sixth sense I have. What your moral Jedi powers going it, on? There, almost, right? yeah. Uh, and but then it's not like I think I'm a really great person, so I can spot another really great person. What it is is that I have this sort oh. of warped sense of humour where I find it funny to make really genuinely good people appear like they're monstrous. I know? love it. I think it's hilarious. I love it. Um, or, I don't know, it could be that I see genuinely good people and then I want to break their spirit. It could, I mean, <laughs> could be that. Both, both are funny. Mm. And if you don't laugh at uh, being poked fun at, then... Then who even are you? Got no personality. Yes. Shall we do a beer reveal? Oh, yes. like Absolutely. What are you drinking, Aid? Uh, do you know what? I've poured it out. I, I got oh, it in a no. watch. Where's the come? Where's the can? I got oh, you got beer, beer fifty two. Excellent. Yeah, beer fifty two box. Um, I cracked it open. It said hazy IPA. It's not Brewdog. Um, it's but it's it's delicious and it's Excellent. hazy. Um, and it's not even that higher percentage, which is the key thing because at the moment every Friday I'm getting absolutely steaming. <laughs> got to be careful. Yeah. And, really uh, especially when you got like little ones the next day, it's you know yeah. you're hungover. No, and, yeah. I totally, I totally empathise as having a, you know as I've got a four year old as you as you know. Yes. Um. So what I are am, you on? I am drinking. It looks like a stout, mm. and it you could even argue it is a like a dark ale. Okay. But you would be wrong. Right. This is a this is what's called a black velvet sour beer. In fact, the way that they describe it is a pitch black dessert sour. Okay. So it is a combination. It's obviously it it wants to it wants to pretend it's a beer, basically, but right. with in it. So it's got cherries and blackberries and uh, cacao and vanilla and all this, and it's extremely. Uh, well, it's, the whole basis of this brand is is it's sour. Right. That's, sour that's, beer, though. Yes, I feel like my take. This is the thing, Tan, our good friend Tan. Last time we went on a road trip, I had one of those bear bit bears, but I had a bear in the car. Yeah. Um, this this beer, I've forgotten what it was. I think it was like rhubarb and custard or something, and it was a sour rhubarb and custard beer. Mm. And I thought, oh yeah, like how can you not like that? It tastes delicious. Blah blah blah. She said it was the foulest thing she had ever tasted. <laughs> like, it makes me wonder: are, are my taste buds broken? Am I just having to like go to the extreme end of the spectrum when it comes to tastes? Because I want my food strong. Mm. spicy i want my beer sour and strong so something's going on there maybe i'm maybe i'm breaking now i'm breaking it's it's interesting isn't it it's it, so the beer revolution the ipas the craft ales when they started first started emerging when i first tried one and i detected obviously a bit more of a fruity taste to it i was like oh i like this this is good and i feel like that was chapter one and then chapter two came along where they started being a bit more experimental with stuff like this. Like, oh, you should try this sour, horrible, curdled milk and rotten raspberry flavor. And I'm like, are you out of your fucking mind? Like, it ain't broke. Stop trying to fix it. <laughs> um, I think I think it's inherent in, in us to want to try new things, though, isn't it? This is why we've got yeah. such a vast, obviously, capitalism aside. That's why we've got such a vast array of food. Yeah. We experiment with food and we try and find new ways and new things to to create yeah so this particular brand that, that they're they're quite um experimental they recently released um alcoholic fruit smoothies mm. that go in line with their sour beers and i just think it's just one of those breweries that are willing to sort of push the boat out and i like that i don't like you know play it safe breweries where it's like oh yeah ipa yeah it's like sort of being there done that a little bit with that i'm so superficial with this stuff though because <laughs> Like I like the fruity haziness. Uh, I do like Brewdog, which is quite like a lot of people are really funny about Brewdog now. Um, yeah, because they're um, morally bankrupt, aren't they? Let's be honest. Well, <laughs> so I did a, I did a video about Brewdog ages ago, uh, 
well it was an episode actually of, of the podcast i sort of i did a deep dive i looked into them and then this lady sort of clapped back to it on twitter and she was like actually you're basing that on the bbc panorama stuff and a lot of this stuff has been like they've responded to that since and uh, they've put these measures in i don't know if she worked for brewdog or she knew someone that did work yeah. for brewdog but yeah. um i said okay all right well maybe i've caught the wrong end of the stick so then i made the video private mostly because i didn't want to get sued um and then I thought, well, I guess like I'll take her word for it because then that means that I get to enjoy the beer that, <laughs> that I enjoy. Like that's all it takes. It's like, is clear. Yeah. so you say they're not Nazis. Oh, okay, cool. Well, I guess I'm fine then. Um, <laughs> so yeah, but in, in, like even with like any other beer out there, like all I care about is it's a little bit fruity. It's about 4.5% and that the can, this is how superficial and shameless it is. The can <laughs> has to just be a bit colorful. Well, I mean, look, this can is very boring, but this particular brewery that I'm a fan of, the Vault City, they, yeah. um, another one of the beers that I ordered for my birthday, I still haven't drunk them all, just right. shows how much beer I drink, eh? it's been yeah. two weeks. Uh, one of them was Neapolitan, wow. like, as in the ice cream. Vanilla, yeah. is it strawberry or raspberry? It's raspberry, isn't it? That so sounds vanilla, fucking ridiculous. That sounds like vanilla, you, you pour it into a glass and like it's like pink. No, yeah, I know. <laughs> Oh no! I mean, obviously, the main the main tone in it is the is the raspberry, right? But it's got vanilla and chocolate in it. It's just it's bananas, man. It's it's bonkers. But their can is like a like a like a scoop of Neapolitan ice cream. It's cool. So I like it. Also, like it when brands are sort of a bit creative and they, they think a bit little bit kooky and a bit out of the box. It Enjoy reminds it. me a bit of, and I don't mean to go creepy or weird with this, but it reminds me of a conversation I once had with some friends about sex. Yeah. where one of them was talking about something that she'd gotten up to at the weekend and it was quite extreme. Uh, and then another one said something about how like this guy that she had gone home with, like, I don't know, Thursday night social or something. It all got a bit hot and heavy and that was quite like got a bit extreme as well. Yeah. But both of these situations, both of these stories were so like, like, pushing the envelope to me and my boring like <laughs> middle-aged sensibilities and i remember like writing back to them going like whatever happened to just fucking <laughs> like why does it have to involve like a smack around the face or you know this thing or hard play or like well no it, that remind that reminds me of a, a a former colleague of mine maybe 10 years ago now mm. he would say really inappropriate stuff out of the blue mm. we'd obviously talk about just like sort of sort of um, bit dicey subjects here and there when we were working, and sometimes we'd 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 talk about sex every now and then, and then she'd come out with, "Yeah, I don't I don't generally like it in the in the in the foof. I like it in the back." And I was like, "Wow, okay. in the office, in the office, <laughs> wow!" It just came completely out of the blue. It was no, yeah. it was no, like it was completely inappropriate, obviously. And we were a bit like, "Cool, okay." But <laughs> then do you know what? I don't want to use the whole like, oh, it's a different time, Jules. It's a different time. But then there is a I mean, part of me that's like some of the conversations I have been involved in that I've led, that I've yeah. fueled back yeah. in the day, like when I was like 21, 22, working in an office. Like nowadays you get fired for talking about stuff. I'd be so yeah. conscious. Oh, I know, yeah. Um, I, if one of those, she, she was riding her luck a little bit because like that would be now. Yeah. awful wouldn't it yeah yeah this was 10 years ago this was yeah this was 20 yeah this is 2013 2014 so yeah one second jules because i'm just going to flick over to the chat there so um who have we got in the house tonight we've got tracy birch we've got mojo sabian what's up guys uh we've got i can't quite see the name of the other one there um is it wang or is it weg can't see that um uh, oh, I've just seen Tracy Birch has said that was an awesome intro. Anyway, just have the money, Aid. You don't need to ma be a massive tit in public. <laughs> um, I've just realized. So when I flick onto the guest thing, I don't think they can hear you at that point, Jules. So let me just see if I can add you in there. Just bear with me. Live TV, folks. Um... Can you just say one for me, please, Jules? Yeah, it's not enough. Uh, so if I just go back to main. Uh, 
Say one again. Hmm. Not that one. Let's try this next one. Say again. Juan. There you are. Ah. You have like totally blocked out the, uh, <laughs> the view of the chat. There, there we go. Why right, not? I've moved you out of the way. Now we can see we can see chat and we can hear you, and that's that's what we need. Pretty um, important. Yes. Uh, yeah. Hey to Lee. Lee's just joined the chat as well. Um, Mojo Sabian says, "Don't look at me for tips. I've just bought a mirror. What the fuck is a mirror? Oh, a Merc. I'm sorry. I've just seen that." Um, so you, like I've created this chat thing and I've styled it and I've like recoded it. You would think I would have done it to a standard where I personally can fucking read it, wouldn't you? And you but can't. I can't. Um, but uh, but yes. Anyway, thank you very much to those of you in the live chat. We'll go back to that shortly and see if there's any uh, any other suggestions. I wanted to swerve the conversation a little bit. Now we've come done the lighthearted stuff. Yeah, sure. I wanted to talk about the morality of voting in the next general election because of your, not your, not mm. you, but people's passion to get the Tories out. Right. So I put a video up on, on TikTok today, or it's my last few days actually, where someone is a reasonably prominent commentator yeah, uh, who is very sort of pro Green Party and sort of uh, very anti-Labour at the minute. Yeah. Um, many would say hard left, but I don't know what that means. I don't know what hard left means. Um, what is, um, is, there, is there really such a thing? I don't know. Um, I think it's when people describe or identify as uh, hard left, I usually think left wing, socialist, yeah. um, compassionate. I think the hard left label, I don't think it's particularly helpful because it no. it wraps those actually quite very positive sensibilities with a kind of there's a, a bit of snark on it, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's hard it's, left. It's like, implying extremism. Well, yeah, and it, that in itself is ridiculous because most of the things that the so-called hard left would be advocating for are actually things that most people out there, according to polls, uh, would also advocate for. Yeah, absolutely. For. So when for we sure. talk about things like you know nationalising the rail when we talk about accurately or appropriately funding the NHS, um, schools repairs budgets, like all, all of the usual, you know, hot topic buzzwords that we always talk about every day. These are things that everyone rallies behind. And yet, if you talked about those things on Newsnight or Question Time, yes, you would be categorised as hard left, which is wild, isn't it? I think, like, again, it's, it's one of those, um, not a slur, but it's like, a, like you said, it's a dick, isn't yeah. it? Um, and I don't necessarily think it needs to be. No, um, it depends on the context. I think it. I think it's similar to sort of. It's sort of similar to sort of veganism, isn't it? Like vegans are seen as, especially the ones who are out there, you know, in waitrose holding up signs covered in blood or whatever it is. Mm. That it would be classed as extremists. Um, but if you're a bit more apathetic about it. Mm then you end up looking a bit flim-flam to the extremes. So it's a difficult one to balance. And I think this comes, this sort of goes back to the whole thing about voting for Labour despite the downfalls and the issues, the, mor the moral issues that you have to tackle and, and really grapple with. Mm. Because obviously we look at the, the notion that is many would argue Starm is he the right person to lead the country as prime minister mm. there's a lot of things that he has done unfortunately where i have been quite disappointed and and uh, disgusted i don't know i don't know what your your thoughts are Aid, especially things like gaza with the ceasefire mm. it felt really like um a betrayal and it felt a bit like you can understand why people would say in that context tory light because of this refusal mm. to um, say something that would be sort of polar opposite to the Tories. Yeah. But it's this, I think one of the key um, arguments that I was making was um, someone said, this commentator that I mentioned before, 
said that Labour and the Tories are very similar. And yeah. So basically, you're not voting for anything different when you bring Labour in. And so my argument has always been, if you look at the number of privately educated members of the front bench mm. in the Tory party, it's two thirds privately educated, whereas four privately educated on, on the Labour shadow front bench. So that's my clear argument. Who is representing the majority here? It's clearly not. And this is all just stuff that we all know, right? Mm. But when someone says that, why, you know, how how far to the centre of Labour gone? They're basically the Tories. And it's like, so people won't vote for them because of their the, the morality element. So they're like, ceasefire with Gaza, mm. amongst other things. They just they can't vote for Labour because of those reasons. And it's a it's a one you have to grapple morally, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot to unpack there. So I think for me personally, like I don't have some like massive romantic draw towards Keir Starmer. I think mm. he's quite a disappointing character. I don't find him particularly inspiring. I don't think he's charismatic. Uh, what I do think he's good at is uh, ri riding the wave into power and playing the politics game and the media game in just the right way that it may well get him into 10 Downing Street. And then once he's in, I personally feel you will start to see a little bit more uh, compassion. And uh, I, I think he'll be empowered and unchained to enact policy and ideas and sound bites and interviews that more closely reflect or align with uh like traditional uh labor or or su supposed hard left sensibilities i could be wrong about that but that's my like i don't think it's reasonable to think that somebody who's had his life who's been involved in labor for quite a while who's done director of public prosecutions who's been involved like he used to be anti-monarchy he gets that thrown back in his face quite yeah, a bit yeah, sure he's anti-death penalty he's like if you look at the th the things that he's advocated for prior to the leadership most of it sits pretty confidently in that left-wing sphere yeah. now i think it's more realistic or re more reasonable to assume that he is diluting that or hiding that as a means to retain the leadership to not get mauled by the Daily Mail, the Daily Express. Um, and then once he's in power, you will start to see it. Uh, yeah. And it, it begs the question, is it a bit of a thankless task, a thankless job trying to, because you, I think that the key thing is, and it goes back to a, to personally for everyone, you can't please everyone. You can't, mm. can't and you can't please the left. You can't please the right. If you, if you're too center, you end up looking like you're, you don't stand for anything. And the problem, I think the problem that Starmer has had as a leader, and a lot of it, I would argue, is not his fault. I mean, mm. if you look at the the fact that even yesterday, with the, with the rollback um, of the green, what was it called? My brain, I'm looking at the article. The 28 billion green. Um, yeah, the green initiative. Yeah. The prosperity plan. Mm -hmm. 28 billion prosperity plan. And they put an article out yesterday, um, Rachel Reeves and Keir Starmer, about the justification. In fact, that they they uh, they didn't expect the, the the finances of the country to be in such a sorry state by this point you know promising it mm. i don't know when i don't know when they, they even introduced it or even promised it but they got you know got got to this point and and they really they, they're really again going back on their on a promise and obviously you can't foresee the future you can't see the future but it's this reputation that many on the right and the left are going to use against you if you are being what they you know what you would class as being flip-flop mm. and so i can i can understand that there would be a a difficulty in that position to find the right balance mm. because if you're too like with jeremy corbyn many would argue jeremy corbyn was close to the leadership but i i, I just think as a country there wasn't enough sentiment to get on board with his with his policies mm. yeah i i think you're right i think so if, if you put yourself in Keir Starmer's shoes, he gets the leadership by making certain commitments. Then once he is Labour leader, he's being mauled for each one of those commitments. And gradually, yeah. month by month, year by year, he's yeah. having to abandon them for reasons of either political toxicity, where it's like, oh, if I keep saying that I'm going to nationalise all the rail, then the Mail and the Express are going to start calling me a communist well, and a dreamer. I mean, 
you look at the 20% VAT tax on private private schools, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I think will go through. I think that will be something he will push. So I don't think he'll flip flop on that because that's uh, yeah. despite you know that probably meaning that a lot of private schools will struggle financially. The, the, the Daily Mail is never going to agree with that. No. Um, audiences of the Daily Mail, people like Jacob Rees-Mogg, whoever, and they're never going to agree with that. Mm. So what the heck are you going to do? Like this is for the betterment of the country. This is, a, I think, a good policy to put in place that I said in the video today, the Tories would not do in a million years yeah. because that's just not who they are. Yeah. Um, and it all stopped. Go on. No, I was just going to say, like, I, I mentioned this on a TikTok this morning, but it's like they're damned if they do and they're damned if they don't. Like, if yeah. they if they uh, pursue the 28 billion, they get reprimanded for being, you know, same old Labour, spending money that we don't have, yeah. borrowing money that we don't mm -hmm. have. They should be yeah. paying down the debt, et cetera, et cetera. And if they renege on it, if they say, actually, we've looked at the state of the finances and the Tories have overspent. So now I'm sorry, we don't any longer have any. Then it's like, oh, Mr. U-turn, Mr. Flip-flop. Yeah. So either and it's, way, it's they're just, buggered. Yeah. And it's also a case of if they didn't put in a plan in place that was clearly a positive plan for uh, for the climate in the, in the UK, especially. Yeah. And they would look like they didn't care. They would look like they didn't have a plan in place. You'd then get the criticism of, well, you know, they don't know what they're doing. They mm -hmm. don't have any idea what they, you know, if you put a plan in place and you are confident of the finances, but then it goes belly up, it's like, well, what would you rather? Mm. What would you rather do in that situation? What is the, what is the better outcome? Do you know what I'd like to see though, is like with this 28 billion, this is a, a perfect example of where labor comms are utterly atrocious. So like mm. firstly, the timing of it, ridiculous yep, totally, so you've totally. got sunak in hot water really struggling flapping yep. and flailing around over yep, this totally. trans joke in pmqs mm -hmm. that had just happened on wednesday and it would have carried on being the top story all day thursday had they not decided that on thursday they were going to say yeah actually we're completely rowing back on one of our key <laughs> pledges so there's that there's the timing the second thing is the way that they respond to the criticism is just laughable it's like i want to feel inspired by them i want to root for them but it's so hard when you've got tories and tory press and tory cheerleaders going like ah look you rode back you u-turned mr flip-flop and instead of them having somebody up front with the gravitas and the charisma to be able to say look if you don't like it tell these clowns to stop spending money that they don't have they're supposed to be the party of fiscal responsibility look at the national debt Look at the money that they've borrowed. Just take a look at this chart. Like, if they just had somebody up there making that case in a sellable, marketable, ideally funny way, then all of this would back, be batted back to Rishi Sunak, Jeremy Hunt for fiscal irres irresponsibility. Yeah. But the yeah. absence of that, what the actual story becomes like front page of The Guardian, uh, page two of The Mirror, uh, the Radio 4 Today program. It's just like, well, Labour. Forget the trans joke the other day. That's old news now. Labour have rode back on their... Can you, can you believe anything that they say anymore? Like, that's the story now. Yeah. And and just reading the article that that, um, that Keir Starmer and Rachel Reeves actually put actually put out in The Guardian. What mm. was it today? Did you, did you see it? Have you seen it? It was no, no, no. yesterday, 10 to 6. So they obviously had a plan in place to kind of fan the flame, um, sort of um, cool the flames a little bit. But at the end, they say the circumstances have changed, but our ambitions for Britain have not. There is a global race taking place, and we have, want, want Britain to be leading it. That sounds fine, mm. but to someone who is very critical of Kostama, whether it be on the left or the right, that is a bit of an empty promise. And what I mean, what what is he supposed to do? Like, is he supposed to make promises, and mm. then they become empty or that you know you have this situation or do you just hold back from making promises and just look like you're either too scared or or um you're trying to please everyone or, or what have you so like you said it's a bit of a it's a bit of a damned if you do damned if you don't and whilst i do think he has made some serious mistakes and some of the things that he has not backed and said that he would not overturn such as the two child cap on um, oh yeah, universal credit. Yeah, that's right. Two child benefit cap. Like he said that he wouldn't overturn it. That was what 
June, July last year, and then a few months later was in Scotland. Yeah. And he, he was asked about it and he warmed to the idea of making improving on it and, and making it slightly better. So see, this is what I'm at like what I'm getting at is I think he would uh, and I, I totally appreciate that some people would be like, you're dreaming age. You're so naive. Like, oh, oh, I'm sure he's really nice behind closed doors. Like, <laughs> just keep just keep on waiting, Aiden. And then one day he'll become nice. Yeah. Um, but I do think that he would like or that Labour would like to do more to roll back legislation that's been enacted by cruel and sociopathic Tories. But I also think you've got to be a bit realistic in terms of what you've got the space to do in yeah. your first parliament. You can't stick a load of rollbacks into the king's speech and just pack out your day your week and your months with yeah. undoing things that the previous administration did. like they've got other stuff that they want to achieve yeah. and this comes about i don't this, this is a good example that I, we can probably relate to two of us who both work both work in the corporate world mm. or have worked in previous jobs so when you go into a new role and you see the the uh inequities and and the and the issues that you're facing and you look at the past regime and you go god they did a terrible job yeah like, we're going to make rounding changes all these changes but it ends up annoying people because you're making change like short-term big changes mm. and you end up completely tearing up the rule book in in a short space of time and actually that ends up having the, op the opposite effect where people don't like it when you come in and go, look how crap you are. Yeah. Look how crap the situation is. We're going to change it completely. And so, I don't know. It, it's, it's not a suggestion of you have to wait and be patient. It's mm. a suggestion of is the policies that Labour put forward going to be strong enough? Because we yeah. haven't seen many, 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 the way you said it sounded like an Italian waiter. Like, we haven't seen Manifesto. Manifesto. Right? Where's that Manny guy go? Anyway. Manifesto. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So that's that's a key thing that we've not seen yet is Manifesto. We've seen some, like, little um, sniffs of the Tory yeah. Manifesto, I noticed, in the Telegraph earlier. So that is, like, things are starting to come out. So there's that. Um, but I also think, just to go back to your point earlier about, you know, the moral case for, for voting for Labour or for abandoning mm. Labour, I, I, like, mm. I totally have sympathy with people who are disillusioned and who are yearning for some sort of hope or faith. Like, you've got to yeah. give us something. Stop abandoning pledges. Just show us something to be excited about. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, the Gaza situation is, is a great example of that. Like, that was when I was probably my most disappointed in Keir Starmer, was seeing him on Nick Ferrari nick ferrari pushing him and saying you know would you ask for a, i think it was nick ferrari um asking him if he would push for a ceasefire and he just kept retailing the line like i yeah. i do think israel has a right to defend her like and this is you know he's not coming from a position of naivety or ignorance with this it's like we knew within like days that there's innocent people getting bombed yeah <laughs> people losing their legs people's kids dying um so I just, to me, that seemed, I mean, look, it, it depends which side of the coin you think it is. Like, yeah. I guess it's a bit of political, you know, like politicking. Like he doesn't want to annoy a certain subset of traditional Labour supporters. Yeah. And yeah. in the context of all of the anti-Semitism stuff before, you can kind of see where that hesitancy might come from. But at the same time, it's like, I mean, you're a leader, aren't you? Yeah. Aren't, yeah. Like, show I mean, you, fucking you, leadership. Can you not be objective and see exactly what's happening and be honest and say, this is the situation. Yeah. The way that this this Israeli government are handling it is barbaric. And yeah. it's not a fair fight. They need to be, uh, they need to call for us. Like, There's just none of that objectivity. And it, mm. it, it, it was just such a shame um, that, he wasn't and you can understand why people who are passionate about that who maybe have family in gaza living in the uk you can understand why they would be hesitant or they wouldn't want to uh, they wouldn't want to um, abandon their morals to vote for labor mm. in order to get the tories out you can understand why they wouldn't want to do that mm. and and you know my from my own personal perspective i always say i'm not focusing on on the fact that labor have been disappointing with their um behavior and their and their flip-flopping or, or policies or whatever or the, the ability of Keir Starmer to be a good leader 
I'm focusing less on that and focusing more on what is the best route that I can make, mm. the impact that I can have on removing the Tories from constituents, from seats as much as possible. Mm. So obviously me and you and our friends, Tan and Josh and everyone else, we all know obviously about tactical voting. And it just so happens that in my constituency, in order to get the Tory seat out, it's Labour. Mm. If it had been anything else, I don't know if, from my perspective, and I'm sure you would agree, if the best possible way to get your local MP who is Tory out would be Lib Dem or Greens, you would vote for that. Mm. Because then that is having an impact on removing as many seats as possible mm. for them. And so I always go with that thing. It just so happens that it's Labour that I'm, I'm voting for in this instance. I'm basically... Yeah, exactly the same, the sense. So Labour is the most likely to unseat uh, Leo Doherty, is our our local MP. He's a, I don't think, he's, he's not Secretary of State for Defence, but he works like within the Department of Defence or yeah. Ministry of Defence or something. Um, but this has been a blue seat like forever, right? It's a military town, so it's going to be quite conservative, I guess. Um I don't hold much hope of the Tories losing it, but I could be pleasantly surprised. I, I hope mm. Labour do inch it. But yeah, you're right. Like if it was if it was Lib Dems or Greens were most likely to oust them, I would go with that. And and just to sort of come back to what you were saying earlier about <clears throat> you know how how does one continue to vote for uh, for Labour when they do uh, fail to oppose certain very cruel policies and and Keir Starmer's performance with the uh, Yep, Gaza situation. Um, I look at it like this, and and I'm sort of paraphrasing what our friend Josh <clears throat> said to me once, where he was like, "With the Tories, they will enact policy to enrich themselves." Yes. Uh, for what the fuck is that? Is that my? What? Not me. Yeah, I thought I just heard like a phone. I heard something as well. Yeah. Is that my? Just check. I think it's my son's phone here. Turn it on, <laughs> Turn it on silent. Sorry. Um, yeah. So I. So when when the Tories implement these policies, it's done for sort of a cruel, um, uh, self-serving, sociopathic kind of uh, way. Um, if it is then aped or not challenged by Labour, it doesn't necessarily mean that Labour support it. And also the key thing between those two situations is that the Tories, if you go knocking on the Tories' door and say, I really don't like the policy that you're putting in, they'll just slam the door in your face and go like, well, you're a lefty. I, I, like, have you seen the interviews with Jacob Rees-Mogg this week? He was challenged. Yeah. He was asked each time, just shuts them down, calls them lefties. Yeah, that's, totally. that's it. Totally. Well, at least with Labour, at least with people on the left or centre-left or wherever you personally put that pinpoint in and say, oh, they're, they're lefty or they're centre-left or whatever, or Tory-like. Um, at least you have the line in. At least you can have a conversation with the Labour MP and you can form lobby groups. Um, and ideally, you know, if they do win a... I would like to see them with a modest majority so they have to work with Lib Dems and Greens. Um, that would... Yeah, I know what you mean. That would be a good... Um, yeah. Um, then that, that would be the perfect situation as, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. My my thing I always say is who represents the majority? Mm. And when you're comparing the two, take the leaders out, who represents the majority mm. of the country as a party? And that question is always going to stump people because they will they will then use cherry picked examples mm. of, of, of policies where Labour and Tories are aligned. But when it comes down to it, who is who is uh, um making policies and who is backing the country as a whole? When it comes to uh, the VAT tax on private at, at schools, for example, that would be one that the Tories would never ever do, mm. ever do. And it's also who is representing the whole country at the minute? Is it the Tories or is it Labour? The mm. fact that Labour have twice the number of my, minority groups in their ranks says much about says so much about their ability to relate to the country as a whole. Yeah, they we know we know all this. This is tired old fourteen year old news. More than that, that the Tories just do not <laughs> represent yeah. the majority. And so, if you're going to try and criticise Labour and say they're just like the Tories, mm. that is demonstrably not true. It doesn't matter if 
Keir Starmer is in charge and you disagree with him, if you don't like the leader, take the leader out. Yes, he's the leader, but at the same time, you've still got the MPs within each seat that, yes, you've got some bad eggs like Rosie Duffield and others where mm. their views are abhorrent. But on the whole, you have to look at who, who relates to me as an individual. Mm. Is it these self-serving, rich individuals who pretty much all went to private school? Or is it the people who are represent minorities and didn't all go to private school? If only, like I said, only four in the shadow cabinet you know went to private school. I read a, uh, I read a piece a while ago that talked about their background as private school boys. Um, and actually, before I go off on that rant, look, check this out. This is this is beer number two for tonight. Look at the picture of it. It's so fucking weird. I don't know if you can see that. What is happening? It's like a guy's... It, what is he doing? He Rebels like, Cologne. Is that to say Rebels Cologne? Is yeah. he spraying cologne in his face? Why is he doing that? I, he's a rebel, clearly. <laughs> it's like some some people just splash a little bit on. Just and down he's there. just like, in the eyes. <laughs> It's like, I don't play by the rules. Um, right, what, what the fuck was I talking about? Oh, yeah, private school boys, right. So yes. I read this thing where they were like, actually, it's really interesting what happens to these kids because they go to a private school. They're separated from their parents. It's like boarding school. They all sleep in the same dorms. Yes. And they are effectively institutionalized. They're traumatized mm -hmm. into seeing these sort of these dormitory uh like school houses like oh i'm a member of this house and you're a member yeah, of that yeah, house yeah. Mm -hmm. um and then they grow up uh they like similar thing in like oxbridge rowing clubs um debating societies and their entire lives right up to and including working and living in westminster is dictated by being part of a sort of institution in lieu of a family and I was like, God, that makes so much sense. Of course, yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's also, it's quite tragic, isn't it? It's like, you were well, not hugged, said, you never saw your mum? Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, um, did you ever see the movie Sliding Doors, Nate? Mm -mm. Never seen it. Mm -mm. So it's an old, I, mean, I think it was early 90s. I don't know why. I'm, I'm, I'm aware of it, but I've, I've yeah, just never seen it. Yet. I think it was one of my mum's favourite movies, and I'm, I don't think she ever showed it to me, but I was aware that it was one of her favourites. Basically, the idea is it's like the uh, moments in time in your life where you can either go one way or the other and then that dictates the kind of trajectory of your life yeah for me personally i nearly went to private school and here's the story so when i was seven I you, got you would up. have got you would have got mauled at private school wouldn't you let, let me let me all right back then i didn't speak like that because i didn't go to a comprehensive i was still in a regular village primary school mm. but back then i was picked up by Westminster Choir School. Right. Now, this is one of the best private schools in the country. Yeah. Uh, and they wanted they wanted me to basically go there uh, full time, be part of the whole, experience the whole private school thing. <laughs> and I always look back at that and go, that was a sliding doors moment because if I had gone. Yeah. And, you know, I probably would have been a choir boy type who knows where I would have gone, what education I would have had. You know, my life would have been very different. I wouldn't be speaking like a cockney or whatever, you know. Yeah. Probably would have had posh taps, you know, probably. But <laughs> at, the same, at the same time, um, my life would have been very different. And I chose when I was seven to not go because of, <laughs> because of very simple reasons. I would have missed my family and I would have missed my friends. Yeah. And I chose not to go. And it's funny that my mum always says that's her biggest regret. And I'm like, great. Thanks, mum. That's lovely. Um it's just interesting that, that that could have been my life. And I yeah. always look at it and go, if I end up turning out like people in the Tory party, I wouldn't rather, I would rather not. You know? There's definitely a cost to it, isn't there? It's like, we've all known people who have gone to private school who have turned out fine. Like I've yeah. known people, although I don't, think they, I don't think they boarded at private school. Maybe that's the difference. Um I don't, yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a, a sort of a generalisation, isn't it? To say all people who go to boarding school end up turning into Boris Johnson. I mean, that's not always going to be the case. No, but, but there is but, definitely, like, it seems like there's a greater percentage of kids who go, be interesting to read a study on it, wouldn't it? Like, if you yeah, go to sure. board, boarding yeah. school, do you stand a higher probability of being diagnosed as a sociopath later there's in life? Some, I'm sure there's studies out there. It's just one of those, isn't it? Yeah. Um, talking of that, talking of that, 
I wanted to segue over actually to, I don't know if you saw this, the backlash that Warwickshire County Council have been having in the last few days. Have you heard about no, this? No, I've not. Educate me, please. All right. Okay. So Warwickshire County Council held a um, a meeting about the rising costs of the council. There was, there was a number of councillors, a large majority were all conservative. So now my, for me personally, I've worked in a lot of public sector environments. I've worked for a lot of county councils and local count, district councils. And I know what um, councillors are like. They are extremely privileged. They're not generally very bright. They tend to be a little bit older. And that's generally, that is a generalization, but that's just the ones I have met. They've not been great people. And we're talking the Hertfordshire area. So I don't know if that's the same across the whole country. Well, let's but just, let's really generalize and say that it is. Very, very generalized. But anyway, Warwickshire County Council have come under fire recently because three of their um, councillors in this meeting, that basically this meeting was um, to talk about ch funding for children who are basically SEND, so special educational needs and disabilities. Right. They were talking about uh, this, in their words, the endless pot going into this. And these three um, councillors, uh, and it just, this really harks back to, is there a type of personality within the Tories, within Conservatives, where they are unable to put themselves in people's shoes, to empathise, mm. and to understand the needs of, of people outside of their own bubble. So they made comments such as, um, well, you know, these kids were around when I was in, and this, they, they were all, except for one of them who was 50s, the other two were older men in their 70s. So mm. they were all saying really disparaging things, saying like, oh, they've made it up, or the parents are trying to get extra funding, or... right. Yeah, and and basically, uh, the, one of them was saying, "Well, we we had we had this back when I was at school, you know, in the early '60s, and um, yeah, we had ways of dealing with them. The ways that they dealt with them were were institutions." Mm. And so he was like, "Well, look, you know, what's fiscally more um, appropriate? Should we go back to something like that?" Uh, and it's just it was it's just very symptomatic of this attitude I think that conservatives have. They really don't see that they don't have the funding as a counter council because the, the government have cut funding mm. to councils to pump money into things like the Rwanda scheme and mm. PPE contracts with their friends. And now, and then, and then they're blaming the parents for trying to get advice on how to get their children diagnosed or ADHD or autistic or, or anything like that. And, and it's just, it's just disgusting. Yeah. And obviously they've, initially refused to come out and apologize but the recently they've they've um they've obviously i think they know that this is extremely like they there's no way that they can get around this really um yeah. i mean I, I feel like it's uh there's there's two uh two prongs of tory ideology at play there the first one is this sort of dismissive um uh i look after my family i i'm it's like self-responsibility. I'm responsible for my own kids and that's it. I don't want to pay any taxes towards your kids. They're your responsibility. Whatever they're diagnosed with, see you later. Good luck with it. Yeah. There's yeah. that sort of thing, which really is like that kind of callous, sociopathic Tory uh, breed. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Then there's the second thing, which is the corruption angle, which you've tapped into there, which is like, they're very happy to funnel millions, if not billions to projects yeah. that satisfy them. This is not about fiscal responsibility or no. like tightening our belts or putting money where it should be. Or doing what's best for the wider country. Yeah. Right? They're happy yeah. to magic money if it doesn't exist and follow that out to their mates. So yeah. um so there's some there's a corruption angle to it also. <clears throat> and then finally, I think there's probably like, I mean, I don't want to be mean, but maybe there's a generational element to it also where you were saying, uh, you know, in my day we had ways of dealing with this stuff. Well, that's just hugely unscientific and incredibly regressive. Yeah. Like we, yeah. we know from our generation and the next generation coming up will know this with greater understanding. I'm positive that there are conditions that we are aware of, uh, that we are aware of now or that we have a greater understanding of, of the causes of the treatments that they just were not privy to in their day. Yeah. And that's why they used to hit them with a cane because yeah. they thought they were being disruptive because they thought they were being quote unquote naughty 
One kids... of the conspiracy theories I just want to add, and mm. this is this is not I don't know whether this is fully substantiated, but one of the conspiracy theories that might hold a bit of weight actually is this idea that boomers and a subsection of Gen X are the way they are, and not to generalize, but a large population, a large proportion of them, especially when you look at ones who are more conservative, for example, these Warwickshire County councillors, are they the way they are because of the the lead emissions that cars used to release before oh 1985. <laughs> I know. So there's a lot of evidence to suggest the impact of lead on your brain. So yeah. it affects your decision-making. It affects your ability to oh, create man. logical arguments. And so but there is between that, Between that and the chemtrails, these boomers I know, I know, stand I know, a chance. I know. But the thing is, there is a, I mean, there is a connection between the two. And we know that the lead levels before 1985 were too high for human beings mm. and they were only curtailed you know i was born in 86 so i was just about within that bracket but it, it's, it's it begs a question it's one of those where it's fanciful and it's probably a conspiracy but is there something i mean it's I, I, it's ironic because one of the county councillors talked about why have we got an increase in 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 children with send with supporting with with educational needs and disabilities one of them said is it something in the water right that, that the uh, increasing special needs cases were you know i mean that, that that's obviously extremely ignorant mm. um some of the other comments like one of them said um quit them one of them queried why whether some send children were just really badly behaved and needing a form of strict correction right now, <laughs> yeah who was the guy he was on who question just... time actually this week um james daly is a conservative mp and he said that most of the kids in his constituency his own constituency he said most mm -hmm. of them are just the just the product of shit parents or shitty parents or something along those lines yeah yeah and i was like just the the brass neck just the balls and like i mean that's what Mine's... we're talking about right it's like this sort of entitled tory um, sensibility of being like yeah. that i am an elected member of parliament to represent this constituency and still i feel entitled to completely yeah. disparage but again it goes back to this whole thing of as a conservative as a councillor they are not making decisions mm. or have a viewpoint that is representative of real people mm. they are physically or fundamentally unable to empathize they are there's something in people the reason they are conservative is there's something in people that doesn't allow them to put themselves in other people's shoes and it begs the question why why are conservatives especially in this modern era why are they like this mm. why are they so self-serving why are they so ignorant of science why are they so uh unable to understand the plight of parents with children with disabilities it's just, it's just mind-boggling i always think there's like there's a there's a group of them there's a section of them for whom supporting conservatives or the conservative party is actually just ego because yeah. what they like to imagine themselves as is a high-flying actually quite affluent tory that's how mm -hmm. they picture themselves in their mind's eye and they yep. think if I vote conservative, if I tell people that I vote conservative, they will see me a certain way. They will see me as a golf club going country club attendee guy that hangs out at the conservative yep. club. Like, I yep. think the imagery, uh, the attributes that come with it, I think that's really attractive to them. And I think it would be really fucking interesting to expose them to how far down the food chain they actually are. It's it, Yeah. And it goes you back know? to... We, in fact, we haven't discussed and we probably won't have time to discuss, but reform, mm. reform party, basically a limited company owned by millionaires. Yeah. People who want to think that they're a good alternative do not see that they are being played by rich people mm. with an agenda. They really don't see it. And it's just ridiculous that yeah. they would fall for this because they have some ignorant views about the state of the immigration in this country, for example. But in so, a way, it's like it's fucking genius right like because what richard tice and nigel farage do is they they target the older demographics and if you if you've ever seen pictures of who attends 
you know, the yes. Richard oh, Tice rally yeah. or yeah, the, the audience of the Nigel Farage show on GB News. It's always, you know, these stereotypical, generalised, like, older gamins, older. right? It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, sort of typical, like, big, overweight, balding, pink-cheeked, <laughs> <laughs> disillusioned Tory voter. Not to generalise, George. No, I know. It's, so, it's uh, one of those, isn't it? I mean, you can generalise very easily, but generally... But, but it's genius on Tice's part. Because this is a generation who actually haven't, and I'm sure they would disagree with me, I'm sure they've had some struggles, but broadly speaking, they didn't struggle in the same way that we all do with the housing crisis. They had cheap housing. Yes. They, they, there was no suggestion they were ever going to get drafted. We're now having, we're getting suggestions that uh. we might all get drafted. As long as we're under 60, we might get drafted. Um, what else have they, the NHS was in much better shape their entire lives? Um, the UK just generally was an you international... You could argue they're entitled. Yeah, well, there is that. But what I, I suppose what I'm getting at is that yeah. when you're not actually challenged or touched by some of the issues that Tory ideology has created, when you're mm. not affected by those, maybe you are more susceptible to the symbolism and the, the bullshit so if someone like Richard Tice or Nigel Farage comes out and they go like, hey, they're trying to take away your flag. And uh, look at this. Look, he wants to ban a poppy. And over like they, they pull out this culture warship. Maybe that generation are infinitely more susceptible to it because they don't actually have real shit to worry about. No, no. So I mean, they, like they you said, it. that general target audience was um, probably all white. Um, maybe all straight, mm. um, you know, probably that generation, all cis, you know, none, none, they don't have to deal with anything that uh, minorities have to deal with. So they don't understand. So they can't put themselves in people's shoes. I think it comes back down to that, doesn't it? If you don't understand the, the, the issues that these minorities face, mm. because you're not exposed to them, you're going to be in this, and this is a phrase that I always like to use, Aid, and I don't think really people really understand what I mean when I say it. It's not a great start, but do continue, yes. <laughs> because people always get confused. So maybe it's me explaining it. So I always think those kind of people who vote reform, their lens of the world is teeny, teeny, tiny. Mm. They view the world in this, right? When in reality, it's they don't see the rest of it. Mm. And so they only view the world in their narrow lens and they're wow. unable to see yeah exactly they're only <laughs> unable to see the world in a wider lens and yeah. so that causes so many problems because they don't see what's out from the other side of their of the, of their perspective and but if you ever told them they were closed-minded then they'd get cross well they'd go on the defensive wouldn't they yeah, yeah. cognitive dissonance they'd be like you bloody ramonas you snowflakes <laughs> gen Zers, you think you got it all figured out well let me tell you jules in the war my my father-in-law yes um yes yeah i think yeah. i mean for me a lot of it is dealing specifically with that generation yep um and it's but you know by no means everyone within that generation you know we no. we all know people from all different walks of life who were you yeah. know weird and wonderful variations of the the generalization yeah. that i'm clumsily wheeling out every five minutes <laughs> but I think what it is for me is an inability to accept that not only might somebody else out there know better about some things or be different. Today. Yeah. But that you yourself, it's possible for you to be educated and corrected on things. Yes. And like without getting too sort of, you know, oh, like I did it, so like yay me. I don't, you know, I don't want to turn this into a sort of self-fellating exercise. But like when when I was younger, as a product of the eighties, nineties, and early noughties, and the cultures and music and stuff that I was into, I yeah. said some outrageous shit. Like back in the day, things that now I look back on the way that I spoke and behaved, I'm just like, oh god like you know like ru ruminating ruminating oh. and regretting is my favorite hobby <laughs> it's like who even was i like what the fuck yeah yeah but it's there's an acceptance there there's a there's a positive thing to that where you're like okay that's how i used to behave not because i believed any of that stuff but like and, and 
when I say that stuff, I mean like like way before anyone was really exposed to what trans issues or trans challenges were. All I knew was that this guy that I used to know was now dressing like a woman. And it like to us, that was so foreign and there were jokes and there were, and now I look back on that stuff and I'm just like, Oh my God. Like yeah, it's yeah. shame doesn't yeah. even cover it. It's just, yeah. I mean, your, your um, experiences and your life shape how you then treat other people. So I went to a North London multicultural secondary school. Mm. I, I had once had a, fr at one point I had a friend group consisted of me as a white guy, uh, a, um, a Nigerian guy, mm. an Indian guy. They're all born here, but of the, of descent, their parents were, you know, moved over from Nigeria, India, yeah. um, Jamaica, Greece, Turkey. I had a friend group that was so diverse and that really, obviously then it gave me a bit of a springboard and then all, and then obviously um you know i'm not afraid to talk about this now because it's 2024 but my dad came out as gay when i was seven mm. and so that gave me a real insight into what it means to be lgbt in this country mm. because i understood i understood his plight and his issues um because i felt it and i saw him being upset about abuse he would get and, and you know what have you so i it's exposure to these things give you a gives you a greater insight into the differences in human beings if you don't expose yourself to this and you live in a tiny village and you're only around white people straight people etc then you're going to be ignorant mm. because you, you don't understand differences and if you have the you don't have the ability to understand differences that makes it 10 times worse yeah i think you're right but you also just as a little caveat to that you yeah. have to be somewhat curious and open yes to yes. letting yourself be educated and i think that's a i don't know how we overcome that problem because so many people appear to be lit like you know when they say ignorance is bliss they appear to be so blissfully ignorant uh and and with no interest of no. being exposed or being no. educated or updated no. or you know no. No. um it's introspection isn't it yeah it's, it's it's the ability to kind of take a step back and go that is what I believe, is what I am saying, is what I used to believe acceptable. Mm. Now. Yeah. And being a bit humble and acknowledging that you have the ability to change and change, because a lot of people find it difficult to change their viewpoints mm. or change their beliefs. You know, when I was a teenager, I used to be religious. I used to go to an evangelical church. It took me a little while to then sort of deconstruct that as I got into my early 20s. Mm. Well, I understand that it can take time for people, but and, and where are you? Let's let's peel this onion. Where are you now? Are you uh, complete and utter religious, non-theist, atheist? Are you? That's yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, a lot of people would go from that to agnostic, wouldn't they? Like, well, you know, I don't know, maybe. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's nice. Fa it's a fanciful idea to keep keep things open to the possibility, but realistically, yeah um it's it's there's nothing out there that suggests anything I and mean, that, that's a whole other can of worms in it that, that could be yeah yeah out. i'm sort of something of an anomaly where i do believe that god exists uh but also i believe that i am god so <laughs> god is a dj yeah yeah um jules man thank you so much for coming on tonight we're, yeah, we're out of time no, um no. Let's just quickly go back to the chat. I don't know if we've had any other. Um... Yeah, we haven't actually looked at it for about forty minutes. Well, I, I've been I've been careful been... here. I got it up onto okay. my phone because I don't have the two screens here, so I can't keep an eye on it. But I had oh. it on my phone, so I could just keep an eyeball on it. Um, I did notice I've got a new YouTube community member uh, popped up earlier. I'm just trying to find his name here quickly so I can give him a little shout out. Here we go, Captain Bart Roberts. Welcome aboard, Captain. Houses um thank you very much for for joining if anyone else is uh tuning in regularly and you're enjoying the podcasts or the uh, alternative paper reviews don't be a stranger click the join the community or join the patreon links that are in the description um what's up to tracy birch what's up to uh christine cash uh blue badge 88 um uh i don't think i've missed anyone have i wes g has joined the chat a short while ago also um, thank you so much, guys, for for jumping in there uh, every Friday night. Really, I feel like it's um, it sort of brings the podcast alive. And if there are ever any sort of Q and A, any questions that you want to fire across, uh, by all means, do so. Um, but right, like for now, that's the end of this show. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll be back next week. I've already like cheekily pre-recorded a couple of solo shows, 
So I'm all stacked up for solo shows Tuesday and Wednesday, probably. Uh, and then I'll be back next Friday night with a live stream and a live guest. Um, that's it for now. Thanks once again to my guest tonight, uh, Jules. I, I was just trying to think, what should I call you? Leftist Jules, right? Leftist underscore Jules <laughs> yeah. on TikTok. Go, go give him a follow on TikTok, leftist underscore Jules. And uh, oh my God, we've got, another, we've got another YouTube community member. Number three has just joined the community. Thank I'm you. I'm your lucky charm. What's up, number three? Um, I'm going to jump into the Discord chat now uh, with the Patreons and um, any new YouTube community members. I will put up a post very shortly and it will give you a link to the Discord and everything else uh, soon. Thank you once again, everybody. See you next time. Cheerio. Bye-bye.